another dream. It's not a dream. You're making a big mistake. Elsie, stop making that noise. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is Rico, your host for podcast 337 for June the 26th, 2011. That little uh, musical intro preview there was for the new season of the HBO vampire series True Blood, uh, which season four starts tonight on HBO. I, I've I've talked about the had a special vampire show not too long ago, and I've talked about True Blood a few times. It's a, it's an awesome show, uh, a little adult in, in nature and content to, in some places, but a lot of fun. And if you're a fan of vampires, werewolves, all that kind of stuff, I, I sort of consider it sort of an adult version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in a way. Really cool characters, interesting uh, stories, and they do really a lot. In a, in a fairly short season of 12 episodes each year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that uh, starting up again tonight on HBO. But that's about all I'll talk about True Blood this week. Uh, what we are going to be really talking about is an Enterprise episode, Azadi Prime from Season 3. This episode's going to be uh, a little complicated to deal with because it's right during the whole Zindi arc uh, that happened during Season 3 of Enterprise. But I think it's an interesting episode. It's got a lot of uh, cool stuff going on in it, and uh, we'll, we'll do our best. I'm going to play the episode and comment as we go and, and talk about it. Um, that will be on the show. We've got uh, a little uh, review from Vartok, uh, something from Will on Green Lantern, and, and a few other little surprises. So sit back, relax, and get ready for Treks in Sci-Fi. Okay, well, here we go with another podcast for Treks in Sci-Fi. It's uh, been a couple of weeks. Last week we had that uh, Doctor Who special show with uh, uh, Meds, uh, Kenny, and Casey covering sort of the first half of uh, the current season or series, uh, number six of the new Doctor Who, let's call it. And uh, this is the second year that Matt Smith, or second season that Matt Smith has been aboard as the good doctor. And you know, I had a lot of doubts about him at first. I, I, I was a huge fan of David Tennant. I loved his work uh, as the Doctor. And, you know, Matt Smith has really just really made the role his own and uh, is great. And, and just for for a young actor, I think he shows a lot of depth on the show. I'd, I'd love, I hope in a way that he doesn't stay as the Doctor for too long, even though I'm really enjoying him, because... I, I just think this guy's got a lot of uh, acting chops, and I think he could do a lot of great things, and I, I'd be afraid that he'd 
you know, if he spends too much time as the doctor, it could cause him to be a little a little typecast. I don't know. Who knows? I know David Tennant is, is often doing other things already. And I think there was a movie or something that I that I saw that he was going to be in, in in the future. I'll have to check on IMDb about that. But anyway, thanks, uh, you guys, for doing that great Doctor Who show last weekend. Gave me a chance to do some things around here. It was actually... Uh, Last weekend turned into, um, you know, well, it was Father's Day, uh, so happy Father's Day, belated to all the fathers out there. It was also Lynn and uh, myself, uh, myself, Lynn and my uh, anniversary, our wedding anniversary. Uh, actually, uh, it, it turned out that uh, when we got married, it happened to be Father's Day, and that sort of works its way around every few years that way. So uh, it was a good weekend. We had a lot of uh, things to do around the house. I built this little uh, arbor for plants and things uh, in back for her, put that up, kind of concreted it in, and, you know, hey, all this kind of geeky sci-fi stuff. Oh, I played with my iPad some more, though, too, my iPad 2. I want to – it's hard to call it your iPad 2. You, you know, I noticed that uh, it, it's just – you just call it your iPad, you know, and then somebody who got a first-gen iPad says it's their iPad, and I guess it's the same thing if you have, like, an iPod or iPhone for the most part. I mean, if you get into – details then you tell people oh, hey what version is of it or whatever but yeah i'm enjoying it a lot i, I still find um there, there's some great things about the ipad and, and there's some things that i wish it could do or that it was a little not so tightly locked in and again i knew a lot of that when i was going into it that's a you know kind of okay but i'm trying to find a few workarounds for some of that stuff and there are things out there that allow you to to kind of work around it one of the things that i i find a little odd or maybe you know why it's like this is is just you got to use the um you know connect it in and sync it in with iTunes a lot to to put things on the iPad you know uh if you want to read uh, a comic to do it that way or or put a video onto it and all that and although I think I think I've read that iOS the next version will allow you to do that stuff uh wirelessly you know at your house but you'd still be basically syncing with iTunes and 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 connecting and doing things there even though you just wouldn't have to actually plug it into the computer with a physical wire. So I don't see a whole lot of difference in that, especially if you have to go over to the computer to, you know, alter and delete files and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But I also played a little bit last night with Instagram. I, I finally got going on that, which is that little picture-taking, not picture-taking, but picture-posting service. Say that five times fast. Picture-posting. Picture-posting. But... <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of fun. Uh, that's a neat little app, uh, especially with something that's got a camera built into it. I can see it definitely having a, maybe even more use if you've got an iPhone in your pocket, maybe more even than the iPad, but uh, they're, they're both uh, useful for it. I'm not sure if I'll use it a real regular basis uh, with the iPad, but yeah. Anyway, and uh, playing a little of this uh, MMO game on it, Order and Chaos, uh, again, I haven't played a lot of it. It just time seems to slip away. Got so many things going on. Even during the summer, it seems like there's just as much, maybe even more sometimes. Got to get the podcast done uh, pretty quickly today because we're meeting some friends and going to go see Cars 2 later and then have a little dinner out. So uh, I have a busy life. (laughs) And the work work is going okay. There have been some ups and downs, I'd say, over the last few months at the job. uh, But uh, it's kind of worked into a, a fairly regular routine now so uh so that's going okay and um that's about it let's get past all that stuff and talk a little bit about some geeky things and the first thing i wanted to play and talk about i'll I'll take a very short break but uh during this time we're going to play a i think it's pretty spoiler free 
I don't think anything he says, I've already listened to this, that it will reveal anything that you can't see in the movie trailers. But uh, Will sent us in a, um, a kind of a, a short review, again, uh, fairly spoiler-free, of the new Green Lantern film. So take it away, Will, and I'll be back in a moment. Brightest day, blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware of my power, Green Lantern's life. Hello, everybody. This is Will, and I wanted to tell you about the movie Green Lantern. The movie was released by Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment and directed by Martin Campbell. Green Lantern stars Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan Green Lantern, Blake Lively as Carol Ferris, Mark Strong plays Sinistro, Michael Clark Duncan as the voice of Kilowog, and Jeffrey Rush as the voice of Tomar Ray. The wife and I decided to see this in 3D, and in my opinion, Green Lantern is a visual spectacular with the weak story. The visual effects, I believe, are second to none. The look of Oa is awesome, and the look of the Green Lanterns is very well done. I was looking forward to see what the filmmakers came up with in regards to what Howard Jordan did with his ring. Some fit right into what you see in the comics, and of course there's some new ones that they come up with. The 3D, I thought, was very cool in the Oa scenes, and in a few other areas on Earth. I enjoyed the 3D in this movie, but it didn't make me want to go to all the 3D shows. I just wanted to try something a little different. My favorite characters in the movie definitely are, are the Hal Jordan Green Lantern character and Tomar Ray. I just thought they um, were both very well done characters in the movie. Now getting to the story. Green Lantern does not stack up to Thor or X-Men First Class. Of course, it's an origin story with his family background and his training as a Green Lantern. But I think the overall story just falls flat. Do I think I wasted $20 for two 3D tickets? Not at all. You have to see this in a theater. Just the special effects make it worth seeing in a theater. And please stay during the credits. However, you don't have to stay all the way to the end because there's nothing there. However, the background at the end of the credits are pretty cool. And on a side note, the guy that runs the local comic shop stopped by and was there giving out a Green Lantern comic button and a small figure from the HeroClix line. I actually posted a picture on the forum if you want to check it out. I give Green Lantern a 7 out of 10. Thanks, everybody, and enjoy the movies. Well, thank you for that uh, review, Will, of Green Lantern. It sounds like it's you know, still worth seeing. I, I almost went. I was very close to seeing it a couple of nights ago, but it didn't quite work out, so I didn't go. Uh, I am still going to try to see it in the movie theater. I hope I can get to it before, you know, Things like the Transformers, Push It Out of the Theaters, and other movies that are coming pretty quick and furious here during the summer. But, uh, you know, Green Lantern's not a character that I've uh, been a huge follower of over the years. I've picked up different issues of the comics and read them, know the basics of it and, and pretty well, of course. Uh, but I think he's a tricky character to do uh, in general on film. I think because everything is fairly... Um, special effects heavy and, and out there and and you know he's got an amazing amount of power when you think about it he's kind of on the level almost of superman and that i think i've always felt is kind of a tricky thing to pull off uh in, in for for a superhero both in comics and 
excuse me, in the movies. I think you you know a character like a Batman or a Spider Man that's more human and not so you know amazingly super powered is maybe a little easier to pull off. Uh, perhaps I don't know. And I also think that Green Lantern, because you've got the whole, you know, galactic, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, patrol of all these other Green Lanterns out there. And a lot, just a lot to cover, I think, for a movie. And I haven't seen it yet. I still want to see it. So I don't know if all this was part of it or what. Uh, it looks to me like from the trailers that they, you know, that they tried to maybe put in too big of a nemesis, you know, this whole like, thing that's trying to destroy the earth whatever it's called in the movie i don't know i'll have more to say if i go see it sometime but uh it's uh it should be uh you know yeah we'll see what happens maybe they'll make another one you never know ryan reynolds i always enjoy but i i I was a little bit worried even about that because i think he comes off sometimes as a little too jokey although i don't think he does a lot in the in the movie from what i've heard i don't think that's it but uh So thanks for your review, Will, and uh, I'll check it out when I can. And uh, I'm sure other people uh, out there, if you've got other reviews of movies you've seen or books or, or, or whatever, new props that you might have, Brian, Brian, I'm talking to you, Brian. <laughs> you know, send those in to treksf at gmail.com. Oh, that reminds me. I wanted to say one other thing, and then I'm going to do a few Trek stories. Uh, on the forum lately, a couple things. One, I've updated some some stuff on there. It's pretty much done now. Uh, I had to update the, to a new version of the forum software, and I also changed things around a little bit. And this, I don't think, was related to this because it was going on before I updated things, but I've been getting a, a fairly large flood of uh, uh, spam bot type people trying to register for the forum, obviously from fake email addresses and junk and things like that. There were days where I got like 70, 80, 100 uh, applicants, and they all have to go through me. I don't have any instant registering going on because I know that just causes issues, obviously, because those 70 or 80 people, I guarantee you, would put all kinds of spam on the forum if they didn't have to go through and be approved by me. Uh, but uh, what I did have to do eventually is the, the forum registration is actually the uh, where you do it on the forum itself. You always had to still verify by email, but that's been shut off. I turned that off right now. If you want to be a member of the forum, and you should if you're listening to this podcast because we have a great community there, uh, just send me an email, treksf at gmail.com. Send an email to Rico to me, and just let me know uh, you want to join the forum. And let me know the username that you'd like to use, and I will get you set up, and I will email you back, and you'll be all good to go. I can do that manually myself, and, uh, you know, on average, I may have a few members, um, you know, apply a day or something like that, but I can easily handle that uh, just, you know, this way, rather than do it through the forum, and then I don't have to filter through, you know, 50, 60, 70 different emails, because sometimes there'll be one or two in there that are actually real ones, and I don't want to miss those. So shoot me an email if you want to join the forum, and that's the way we're going to do that for at least uh, the next couple of weeks until things settle down. So uh, let's talk Trek. Let's talk Trek stories. Let's talk William Shatner's film that he's been working on, where he interviews all the various captains uh, from the different Trek series and even the recent Abrams film. So listen to this real short uh, uh, video preview of uh, this film, and I'll come back and talk about it and a few other Trek items, too. 
For the first time, five accomplished actors interviewed by the one man who started it all. Did you ever see the Star Trek I did? No. Had you ever heard of me? Possibly. Possibly not. The Captains, a film by William Shatner. Hey, Captain Spock. Right. Spock. I'm not Spock. I call me Spock. <laughs> Yeah, that looks pretty cool. Uh, William Shatner's uh, new thing uh, called The Captains, his new film. It looks like the way this is panning out, and there's a story on it, a, a nice detailed story over at uh, trekmovie.com about this whole project. He is going to have a panel at Comic-Con on Friday, July 22nd. William Shatner and Avery, Avery Brooks will be together there talking about this uh, Captain's uh, documentary interview thing that Shatner has done. It's going to be moderated by director Kevin Smith. Uh, there'll be clips and things like that. And I actually, I think you're going to be able to see some of that streaming on the Internet. Again, you can check this story for more details. And then right uh, on that same day, this film, The Captains, will be premiering on this channel called Epics, E-P-I-X. Looks like the URL completely online is Epics hd.com i'll try to put that in the podcast notes for this week uh i'm not sure how this works i'm looking uh here let's see service available 30 million homes through charter cox communications dish it doesn't look like uh it looks like verizon fios but it doesn't look like it's through um on on comcast so i don't know if i'm going to get it i'm guessing you can still see it online they also mentioned that comic con attendees will be able to see this over at epicshd.com as part of a two-week free trial offer so so those of us without this uh service i don't know if you can go to their website and and pay to see this captain's film or how that's going to work it doesn't seem to say that in this story that i can see uh i guess we'll find out there's probably other things and other ways it will be uh available maybe eventually on a uh, a dvd who knows i'm not sure uh it looks like uh it's a they're calling it a premium service this epics channel so we'll we'll see what happens check your as they say check your local listings and cable and stuff perhaps you guys have it uh also uh in different areas of the of the world i don't know how you guys will get this you know they're eventually everything of you know that's digital or released in a, in a way eventually becomes available in certain ways on the internet let's just say and uh you know if if uh, the lawyers and people would distribute these things would would realize that you know if you made an easy way to do it you know like television shows that are overseas or you know or wherever you happen to be located if you had an easy way to do it and it didn't cost you a huge amount people would do it People will pay it, and I, I've had this discussion and talked about this a couple times on the podcast. But anyway, uh, this this looks fun. Uh, William Shatner, always great to see, always a, always a fun time. He also uh, he he interviews Chris Pine, of course, the new Kirk from the Abrams film, and I guess to break the ice a little bit. Uh, he uh, said to Chris Pine, they guess the arm wrestled to begin with when they started their little interview segment. And so there was a picture I put up at the uh, Trek uh, photo of the day yesterday, which you can find over at Trek SF uh, or, sorry, either Trek SF or TreksinSciFi.com. Also links on the forums and all that, but you can find a picture there. It's pretty funny. See uh, the the old Kirk and the new Kirk, uh, you know, arm wrestling together. Great, great idea. And uh, you know, William Shatner, you know, he's got uh, he's got a knack for doing interviewing. He definitely does. He he's a, he's a, he he he's not uh, a typical kind of 
talk show host interviewer. He he really can get people to kind of open up to him. I think he's got, you know, a certain charm and personality that that works pretty well. And uh, I admire the kind of stuff that he's working on now and doing. There's also uh, something going on with creation. You know, creation is the uh, has been for a number of years sort of the 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 biggie of the Trek convention uh, producers. They do the annual uh, Las Vegas TrekCon. They do other ones around the country throughout the year. And Creation's developing a uh, some kind of fan reality show with William Shatner. And the pilot is shooting at uh, New Jersey Con. And uh, it's called uh, Fan Addicts. And it's uh, basically it will be centered around fans attending Creation shows. I don't know a lot about this one yet. But again, I think there's more detail on this story over at... Uh, on the uh, website trekmovie.com, so check that out when you get a chance. Also, the last Trek story that I wanted to pass on, and then we're going to move on a little bit, is is Walter Koenig uh, played Chekhov, of course, in the original series. I got to talk to him briefly last year uh, at the Chicago Comic Con. He's finally going to get his uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame star. So great. Congrats, uh, Walter. That that's a lot of uh, you know. I know you've had uh, a long time uh, waiting for that one. All the other uh, main uh, actors that were on the original Star Trek have got stars on the Hollywood Walk. And finally, Walter Chekhov Koenig, or Koenig, uh, is finally getting his star too. So that's good news for him. He seems like a very nice guy, and I I think that's uh, fantastic. Uh, and I think that covers everything that I wanted to say. Oh, Shatner is also uh, going on record pretty much regularly now uh, where he's appearing and saying, no, he won't have any kind of an appearance in the next Star Trek film. I'm not really sure how he can say that definitively because they haven't finished the script as far as I know for the next Trek movie, which keeps getting delayed and delayed. And now we're probably, there's just no way it's going to happen a year from now, folks. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making that uh, pronouncement here. June, the end of June 2012, a year from now, uh, there's no way we're going to get our, our next Star Trek movie by then. It's just just not going to happen, folks. Nothing official has been announced. I still predict a holiday of 2012 release for it. I think they will start filming it sometime uh, perhaps late this year, and uh, then we will have they'll have about a year to do post-production on it, give or take, and we will get it at that time. It could push into 2013, I suppose, but I hope not. So, um, but he's saying, Shatner's saying that he's not going to be in the next movie, of course. And I don't think that's going to, I don't think it's really much of a possibility anyway. I, I think his cha- his shot or his chances of being in a, in this Abrams era of movies probably has already come and gone. The first one might have worked, possibly. Uh, there was an interesting little uh, idea for, for a spot for him in that. But in the next one, unless it, it's related to the story in some way, I, I just don't see it as a possibility, so... And I think they kind of already did that in a way, you know. They they had the older Spock in uh, from the Prime Universe, or the original Trek Universe, pop over there, of course, in the in the uh, first Abrams film. So um, so they I don't think there's really any need to do any more crossover stuff like that. So, all right, I'm going to take a break. Uh, we've got a, a movie review here from Vartuk that I'm going to play during the break, and then when I come back after that, we will be getting right into uh, the Enterprise episode Azati Prime. So. Uh, here we go with Vartok.
Hello everyone, this is Vartok again with another Treks in Sci-Fi movie review. For today's segment, I'm going to talk about the 2009 movie, The Fourth Kind. Now I'm guessing many of you sci-fi listeners had intended to see that movie, but just didn't quite get to the theater when it came out. Well, you are in luck. I just watched it recently on Netflix and will give you enough information to decide if you want to see it now, without ruining the story for you. The music you've been listening to was composed by Atlee Orverson, called Flight to Gnome, which is from the movie soundtrack. The movie starts in a highly unusual manner as the star actress Mila Jovovich walks right up to the camera and speaks directly to the audience. actress Mila Jovovich and I will be portraying Dr. Abigail Tyler in The Fourth Kind. This film is a dramatization of events that occurred October 1st through the 9th of 2000 in the northern Alaskan town of Nome. To better explain the events of the story, the director has included actual archive footage throughout the film. This footage was acquired from Nome psychologist Dr. Abigail Tyler, who has personally documented over 65 hours of video and audio materials during the time of the incident. To better protect their privacy, we have changed the names and professions of many of the people involved. Every dramatized scene in this movie is supported by either archived audio, video, or as it was related by Dr. Tyler during extensive interviews with the director. In the end, what you believe is yours to decide. Please be advised that some of what you're about to see is extremely disturbing. The graphic art poster to the fourth kind, all in shades of light to dark blue, shows a window aglow and a beam of light shining into the bedroom and a human body levitating off of the bed and under the movie's title it proclaims there are four kinds of alien encounters. The fourth kind is abduction. So right away you get a sense for what this 98 minute PG-13 rated alien sci-fi movie is going to be about. As I noted, it stars Mila Jovovich of The Fifth Element and of Resident Evil franchise fame, and co-stars Will Patton, who played the role of Chick in the film Armageddon and is currently the role of Captain Weaver in Falling Skies. Ever since Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out in 1977, we all became familiar with contact with aliens. As you know, an encounter of the first kind is any UFO reported to have been within about 500 feet of a witness. The second kind is when you see a UFO in the sky or on the ground and it leaves evidence behind, such as scorch marks. Encounters of the third kind denotes human observations of actual aliens or animate beings. And finally, well, with the fourth kind, you may need to see your proctologist afterwards. As Mila said, the movie is about Dr. Abigail, or Abby, Tyler, an Alaskan psychiatrist who has been noticing a disturbing trend among her therapy patients. While awake, they can't remember anything about what is disturbing them, 
but when under hypnosis, they relate shockingly similar experiences that lead her to believe that they have been abducted. Throughout the movie, the director Olatunde Asunsanmi uses a technique of showing alleged true video footage of actual therapy sessions and interviews mixed with reenactments by Mila and the other actors. Sometimes the actual and recreated scenes are shown side by side by the use of split screens as heavily used in the TV series 24. Now here is one such hypnosis session where Dr. Abby herself is put under by a fellow psychiatrist. Okay, that made the hairs on my arm stand up the first time I heard that. The premise is that the aliens have methods for making humans forget their abductions. And when pushed for a recollection, while under hypnosis, the humans recall seeing the face of an owl staring at them. You know, flat faces, large eyes. And when Dr. Abby hypnotizes one of her own patients to find out more about this owl... The patient is reduced to pure terror and then flees her office to kill his family and himself. But what about that weird alien-sounding voice-speaking Sumerian coming out of Dr. Abby's voice? That seems to be a real departure from alien abduction. Well, let me not go any further into the plot and say that there are other strange twists and turns in this unusual movie. Music for The Fourth Kind was composed by Atlee Orverson, as I mentioned earlier. Born in 1970, this Icelandic composer has written the music for Stuart Little III, Babylon A.D., Season of the Witch, Vantage Point, The Eagle, and others. By age 20, Atlee was performing and writing music for some of Iceland's preeminent pop and music ensembles. In the 1990s, his work won him three platinum and two gold albums. Atli moved to the U.S. and attended the prestigious Berklee College of Music in Boston, where he graduated summa cum laude. He then continued on to the North Carolina School for the Arts for his master's degree in film music. In 98, he moved to L.A. to participate with TV composer legend Mike Post, where he worked on Law and & Order, and NYPD Blue. In 2006, he joined Hans Zimmer's Think Tank, called Remote Control Productions, where he supported Hans in several scores, including Pirates of the Caribbean 3, Angels and Demons, The Simpsons Movie, and The Holiday. 
He was nominated for Breakout Composer of 2008 by the International Film Music Critics Association. You've been listening to the track title, The Owl, from the movie. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about this talented composer in the future. And now, the poser for later in this podcast. When released in 2009, the movie The Fourth Kind generated some controversy. Do you know what that was and why it was considered controversial? Stay tuned, and I'll be back with the answer later in this podcast. Well, thanks very much, Vartok, for that uh, really cool look at that movie, The Fourth Kind. Actually, I saw that movie uh, maybe about six months ago, and it's pretty interesting, pretty cool, pretty different. Definitely not your average film, and uh, I would suggest people see it. I'll play the rest of Vartok's um, his uh, follow-up to his uh, segment there after we look at this episode of Enterprise, which I'm going to start right now, called Azati Prime from Season 3. So here we go. Of course, this is like I said during season three, there maybe about midway two of the inner through uh, the New season machines. of Enterprise. All Zindi. I'm picking up a large array of satellites. They're generating a detection grid. Degra mentioned a security net. Seems like we've come to the right place. The planetoid we passed on the way in put us on the other side of it. Yes, sir. A convoy of ships is approaching the detection grid. Let's see them. Magnify the lead ship. Show me the warp signature. Degra. It may seem odd to celebrate the completion of a weapon, particularly one designed to destroy an entire planet. But recall the words of Anarchus written some 50 years into the great diaspora. Without a world of our own, we are but children lost in the wilderness. This guy, Dagger, this alien uh, that ends up helping Archer, is named uh, Randy Oglesby. He shows up as a character actor in a lot of shows. All right, this episode of Enterprise, again, is from Season 3. The uh, teleplay is by Manny Cotto. Of course, Manny Cotto is the guy that kind of came in during this season, and especially Season 4 of Enterprise, and uh, started really putting his mark on the show, was a big Trek fan, and I think if he had been allowed to continue and Enterprise had gone on to a Season 5, 6, and 7, we would have seen some really great stuff Maybe things involving the early Romulan War and all that. But anyway, the story here is by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Manny Cota, uh, directed by Alan Croker, a fairly regular director of Trek. Uh, this is production order number 70 in this series. It is uh, was first aired on March 3rd, 2004. And it was, uh, let's see, it was a little later in Season 3 than I thought. See, it was uh, Episode 18 of Season 3. Again, this episode is deep into uh, the whole Zindi storyline, and for those that may not know Enterprise very well, the Zindi storyline for Season 3 was basically uh, 
Earth had been attacked at the very beginning of the season, or it was late season two, the last episode, by this probe device that, that cut a swath out of Earth. And then they discovered there was this alien uh, race uh, called the Zindi that was out to destroy basically the planet. They sent Enterprise to stop them. And that is what happens during most of season three, is it involves Enterprise and Archer and his crew trying to stop this uh, bigger weapon from being built and destroying Earth. My gratitude for when the humans have been annihilated. I've analyzed every link in the grid. I can't find a single weakness. The grid is extremely sensitive. We'd be detected the instant we passed through. We could try disabling it. It utilizes thousands of satellites. If one of them goes out of commission, it fills the gap. What about the insectoid shuttle? Make like one of the locals. We could fly in, try to locate where the weapon's being completed. Their shuttle might be able to get through the grid without raising suspicion. Captain, we're not exactly experts at piloting that thing. It's gonna take at least a couple hours to get up to speed. Take them. I wanna launch as soon as we can. Just a couple hours, I'll figure out what, you know, what buttons to push here. They they, they captured this uh, vessel two episodes back, I think, if I remember right. I think I found reverse. And they're, uh, right. obviously... Unless we plan to fly in ass first, we better figure out how to make it go forward. Can't argue with that. Tripp and uh, Mayweather here are trying Let's to learn how to these pilot. Console settings again. Um, try the port actuator. Close. Commander Tucker is going to need time to install the translation matrix. If Commander Tucker wants to speak insectoid, I have to get this right first. Believe it or not, that was have a nice day or it's equivalent. So Hoshi there trying to work on a translation so they can get by the security. Just get in there, find this thing, scan it and get out. Remember, whatever information you gather won't do us any good unless you bring it back. We'll keep that in mind. Good luck. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Captain. So off, uh, Travis uh, and uh, Trip take off in the little small shuttle trying to get this uh, through the grid and get this information. Trouble? Obviously, they're trying to locate the, uh, this weapon so they can destroy it. The flight path is somewhat erratic. Open a channel. Trip. Uh. <sighs> Sorry. No problem. I'll send you the bill. They kind of swung around and kind of skimmed across Enterprise in that seat, <laughs> trying to learn uh, quickly how to control the, the ship. I think I'm getting a feel for her. Sensors are up and running. Let's get this show on the road. Keep a sensor lock for as long as you can. Five hundred meters. Two hundred. Here we go. 
They're passing through the grid. We're in. Zindi patrol ship, coming up from behind. They're hailing us. Doesn't exactly sound like welcome to the neighborhood. Oshi, don't fail us now. Yeah, so they're being contacted, Your obviously. Inside the detection grid is unauthorized. Explain. We had a slight navigational malfunction that threw us off course. It's been corrected. Understood. The detection grid is creating too much interference. I've lost them. We're being scanned. Where's it coming from? Not picking up any vessels in the vicinity. From the moon's surface, a small monitoring station. The moon's rotation brought it into scanning range. Let's see it. Malcolm. I'm reading three Zindi biosigns. Have they sent out a transmission? Not yet. What are they waiting for? Probably for the moon's rotation to bring them back into communication range. How long? Four hours. This is uh, an interesting moment here, I think. Target the facility. We can't risk it. Fire. Yep, this is the point, uh, you know, they archer changed to a fair amount during season three had to do a lot of things that he never Not thought he'd be able to do and there is a good example of wiping out three aliens just to keep them from revealing their presence there take us down travis closer to the surface just 20 degrees starboard it's probably the only See decision something? he could make, but it's it's, it's so. also interesting because, you know, this is not kind of what he signed up, you know, for in Starfleet. It's, it certainly isn't you what he what he wanted to be was or do. Structural integrity. And you said we could probably fly it inside a gas giant. Hell, it's only water. Yeah, so, uh... Travis and Tripp are having to fly now into the, uh, an ocean area on this planet. Structural integrity is holding. Take a steeper. Negative z-axis, 10 degrees. It's pretty cool. You never get to see that too much on, on, on Trek where they're, uh, you know, not only flying down to a planet in a shuttle, but flying into an ocean. And now they're coming up to this uh, large structure under the water very large facility here. Lots of uh, ships and shuttles moving around it. 
scan, sir. There's a lot of activity around the right lower hemisphere. even like different uh, aquatic life remember, remember these uh, alien the zindi have a variety of races that sort of make them up captain said get in and get out you know an insectoid a reptilian That's exactly what we're gonna do a mammalian all right so now they're uh travis and trip going into the structure oh, oh and through like a little shuttle bay area it's definitely in the final phases of construction most of the work that's going on seems maintenance related I've gone over the scans you brought back. That's the explosive matrix. If we can get close enough, we can set off a chain reaction that will blow this thing to high heaven. The initial explosion would need to be of considerable yield. A couple of photonic torpedoes should do the trick. There's room in the shuttle. We're talking about a one-way trip. I should be the one to go. Forget it. I'm the only one that can pilot that shuttle. I practiced on those controls. I can get her in. But I've actually done it, Captain. You want a senior officer on this, don't you? I'll be flying the mission. Captain. How soon can you get it ready? A couple hours to get the torpedoes in place. Get started. Meet me in the launch bay in 30 minutes. I'm gonna need some flying lessons. Aye, sir. Ah, very Kirk-like thing to do. Just uh, don't ask your officers to do anything like that that you wouldn't do yourself. So Archer's kind of walking down the corridor now, looking pretty grim, but when he steps through, things aren't the same. He's been transported to a, uh, a different ship. And a ship... Welcome aboard, Captain. Daniels. Where am I? You're on Enterprise. Enterprise J, to be exact. A distant relative of your ship. We're 400 years in the future. They're looking at a portal here now at a big battle going on aboard the Enterprise J. I'm going to assume you brought me here for a good reason. Look out there. It extends 50,000 light years in all directions and it is growing. I've seen it before. I know. In the expanse. You know about the alien we found? The test subject? He belongs to the same race that built the spheres. They're altering this space to make it habitable for their species. It's a prelude to invasion. We came to the same conclusion. It's getting harder and harder to surprise you, Captain. I brought you to a monumental event in history. The Battle of Procyon V, where the Federation engaged the sphere builders. The Federation? You've mentioned them before. Vulcans, Sandorians, Ithanites, Klingons, dozens of species, including humans, all unified in a powerful alliance. Sphere builders. Now a large ship just got destroyed there. The Federation wins the battle. They drive the enemy back into their trans-dimensional realm. If the Federation had lost, the sphere builders would have spread throughout the galaxy. They would have wiped out everything. This species has technology which allows them to examine alternate timelines. They've seen this future, and they want to change the outcome. 
So they contacted the Zindi and convinced them that humanity was a dangerous threat. They want the Zindi to destroy us. Without humanity, the Federation will never exist. You have to make the Zindi understand that humanity isn't the enemy. In fact, it's humanity that will protect them from the Sphere Builders when this battle is won. Contact them. Make peace. They're about to deploy their weapon. I know. I can't let that happen! If you destroy their weapon, they will only build another. You are the only one who can convince them of what I have told you. It is crucial to history that you do not sacrifice yourself. My concern is with preventing the deaths of billions of people. If that's a problem for history, then history will have to suffer. Then send someone else to- I won't to do that! Captain, you have to believe me. You are making a catastrophic mistake. You've made your share of mistakes. This isn't one of them. Send me back! Send me back now! Take this. It's Zindi. A family medal that belongs to one of the crewmen on this ship. There's Zindi serving aboard Enterprise J. Why are you giving this to me? In case you change your mind. I won't. So you can see here, you finally learn a little bit more about what's going on. The Zindi are basically been told by these this future race to off to the the humans to in order so that they won't be a threat in the future. So the Zindi are kind of at, you know pawns in this you said little you're game. You're the only one who can end the conflict with the Zindi. You can't do that if you're dead. That's if you accept Daniel's version of the future. He's in a position to know. I thought you were the skeptical one when it came to time travel. Our recent visit to Detroit has tempered my skepticism. Ah, your visit to Detroit. You should reconsider your decision. What am I supposed to do? Fly a shuttle into the system and knock on the door, tell the Zindi we want to talk? The weapon is too close to being launched. If the situation were different, maybe I'd consider it, but I can't. I don't want you to die. It's not necessary. I wish that were true. I want four ships to accompany the weapon. Yeah, Jolene uh, Blaylock does a great job there, just barely uh, keeping her emotions in check as to Paul, saying she doesn't want Archer to die, and uh, it's a good, great scene, really. intend to hunt down and eradicate every refugee caravan, every colony, every last outpost they have. A vortex of that size will be very unstable. You could now we've got a group here of uh, the Zindi with Degra and the reptilian leaders. And they're just basically arguing about their next steps. A message for you. Go ahead. Commander, we've lost contact with one of the lunar outposts. How long ago? Two hours. Send a patrol. We will resume this when I return. Someone once said that dealing with reptilians is like bargaining with the sun. You'll make no progress, and you'll come away burned. It's not him. The last time I saw you like this was when you delivered the first weapon. That one only killed seven million. This one will destroy an entire world. Better
outside of their world and ours. That's what I keep telling myself. But the reality is a good number of the dead will be innocents. And children. It's best not to think about it. It's difficult when you have children of your own. What we do is for them. For our children's future. Remember that. Again, it was a, you know, a good way to show both sides of this conflict. I wonder how they'll remember us. And this is one of the integral things to this exactly season. Intuitive. I think they were built for someone with compound eyes. Try again. Good. Starting to think like an insectoid. I'll take that as a compliment. Can I ask you something? Go ahead. You're the least expendable man on Enterprise. Why are you doing this? An hour ago, I gave the command to kill three Zindi in cold blood. A month ago, I had Phlox create a living being in order to use some of its tissue. Then I watched him put it to death. Sounds like you're saying this is some sort of penance. I'm saying I won't order anyone else to die. I hate to add to this menagerie of yours, Doc. Tom's Edson. What's, uh, one more mouth to feed? Sarge is bringing harvest any part of them. Porthos oh, to, uh, I doubt that would to be flocks. necessary. Oh, do me a favor. Slip him a piece of cheese every now and then. Certainly. I've always been much better at avoiding farewells than at giving them, so... I'm not even gonna try. But I'm going to ask all of you to think back to the day when this ship was first launched. We were explorers then. When all this is over, when Earth is safe, I want you to get back to that job. There are 400 billion stars in our galaxy. We've only explored a tiny fraction. You have a lot of work to do. Of all the captains who will sit in this chair, I can't imagine any of them being more proud than I am right now. On his way in the shuttle. I'm heading in. Really cool design of uh, some of these indie ships too in this uh, in this series of episodes. Uh, very different, very alien-like. They did a great job. 
200. He's passing through the grid. He's in. Give him hell, Captain. I'll be in the ready room. Paul goes uh, kind of leaning against the uh, bulkhead in the ready room. It's really, uh, you know, during this season she had a lot of emotional trouble. She's crying actually now. So Archer's heading down to the planet now in the Zindi vessel. Into the ocean. Obviously, if you heard the splash. They had, you know, installed a few, you know, computers and components from Enterprise aboard the shuttle, and he's picking up something, detecting the uh, structure and coming up to it now. Unauthorized. Vessel. Power. Down. Immediately. There are a couple of ships coming up behind Archer's ship and, and shooting at him, firing at him now. Seems to have uh, lost power. Come in. It's been over two hours. He should have reached the weapon by now. Travis and I got there in 25 minutes, and we didn't know where to look. You think it's possible our sensors could have missed the explosion? Doubtful. Whatever you're doing, can't it wait? For what? Right now. Your place is on the bridge. I'll be notified if my presence is needed. No matter what happens to the Zindi weapon, the captain isn't coming back. You're in command now. The crew needs to know you're on top of things, and it doesn't help if you're holed up in here. I don't need any leadership advice. I'm just trying to help. This isn't easy for any of us. Paul. Dismissed. Dismissed. Get out. Answer the question. Well, Archer's tied up and getting beaten pretty bad. Question. How many Earth vessels have entered the expanse? I wish I could help you. But my superiors keep me in the dark about these things. Is this a preemptive strike? I thought that was your specialty. You don't want to know my specialty. Let me guess. Stinking up the room. <laughs> I had no idea that humans were so resilient. It's not a trait found in most primate species. Including the Zindi? 
There's a reason reptilians are called upon when force must be applied. It was a reptilian who piloted the weapon that attacked your world. Friend of yours? He was from my regiment. I selected him myself. You must be very proud. His name will go down in history. It will be spoken with reverence, a testament to the superiority of the cold-blooded. I'll bet you didn't know this. But at one time, most of my world was ruled by reptiles. I wasn't aware of that. A comet hit around 65 million years ago. Caused a mass extinction. Most of the reptiles died out. Mammals became the dominant species. How unfortunate. Still, the reptiles might have come out on top if it hadn't been for a slight disadvantage. And what was that? They had brains the size of a walnut. That's very small. <laughs> Apparently, it's a constant in the universe. Hey, he's making this guy a little crazy. Earth vessels. How many? The reptiles didn't all die out. Some evolved into snakes, alligators, turtles. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite restaurants in San Francisco makes the most wonderful turtle soup. You should try it sometime if you're ever in the area. I think Archer at this point just wants want him to kill to him. Kill yeah. Just making conversation. He's afraid, Laying I think. A few interesting facts. He'll uh, talk if he About gets beat up too, to destroy. Far, too far, too I'll much. Reciprocate with an interesting fact of my own. We know exactly where your ship is. That's so. When we lost contact with our lunar outpost, we scanned the vicinity and discovered it. Hiding. Unless you tell me exactly what I want to know, I'll dispatch a squadron right now. Uh, no more conversation. Mm. I hope you had a chance to say goodbye to your crew. All right. But I'll only talk to Degra. Degra? Alone. I don't know who that is. He's building your weapon. Ring a bell now. What makes you think Degra would be interested in talking to you? Just tell him the name of his third child, Trenia. Degra has only two children. Prove me wrong. Tell him. Sensors would have easily detected an explosion of that magnitude, even underwater. I say we go in. Get as close as we can and try to take out the weapon. Agreed. This system is heavily guarded. Our chances of reaching the weapon are non-existent. We can't just sit here. What do you propose we do? There's still a chance the captain may succeed. The longer we wait here, the greater the likelihood we'll be spotted. If we don't hear from the captain in one hour, I'll pilot a shuttle pod into the system. And do what? 
attempt a diplomatic solution. You've got to be kidding. You can't possibly believe that that has any chance of success. The odds aren't promising, but the fact that I'm Vulcan may help me establish a dialogue. You'll just be captured or killed. Perhaps, but at the moment I don't see an alternate course of action. Yeah, sending in the Enterprise would be a bad idea. It's just suicide. Hello again. How do you know me? Long story. Repeat what you told him. The name of your third child, Trinia. Leave me alone with him. And take him as well. And I'm trying to remember if he has that little disc that Daniels gave him in this part of the part of the episode, in his pocket or something. I think he did. Three months into the pregnancy, your wife contracted anaprolian fever. You lost the child. You were going to name it Trinia. I've never told that to anyone. You told it to me. You also talked about the weapon you designed, the one that killed seven million people. When you watched the telemetry come in, you wondered how many of those seven million were children. Who are you? It doesn't matter who I am or how I know all this. What's important is that you listen to what I have to say. Continue. Your reason for building this weapon is based on a lie. What lie would that be? That at some point in the future, humans are going to destroy your species. That is not a lie. You know about the spheres? Of course. They were constructed by transdimensional beings. Their purpose is to reconfigure the expanse to make it habitable for their species. That's what destroys the Zindi, not humanity. I've studied the spheres. There is no evidence to support what you're saying. I've seen it happen. I've been to the future. 400 years into the future. You expect me to believe that? There's an artifact in my right pocket. Take it. Go ahead. Yeah, I thought he had it with him. Not quite sure why they didn't search him and see that or find it, but it's kind of, I guess, a tiny little disc, so they would probably... Initiation metal. Have it quantum dated. The results will back me up. You could have gotten it anywhere. Listen to me, you son of a bitch! It wasn't any easier for me to swallow this than it is for you, but you better understand something. If you destroy Earth, you won't just be eliminating my species. You'll be eliminating your own. Yeah, because they need humans. They need the Federation to push these sphere builders out of the out of the galaxy. At least in the future, in their in the future, Daniel the showed it. dating confirms it. It's from the future. That doesn't prove the humans telling the truth. If there's any truth in what he's saying, it means we can't trust her. It also means she's been dealing with the reptilians secretly. Archer told you this. He said he saw reptilians on Earth in a place called Detroit, over a hundred years in the past. The past? So now he's a time traveler. I've seen According reptilians the human, in Detroit, they too. They were developing a bioweapon. <laughs> the council prohibited that. He spoke of it in great detail. 
If the reptilians wanted to keep their actions a secret, the past would be a good place to do it. How would they get to the past? She may have taken them. We have to investigate this. And quickly. The weapon's been moved to a safe location, but it's nearly ready to be deployed. The council must be informed. Reptilians sit on the council, or have you forgotten? If they did go behind our backs, we shouldn't reveal what we've learned. Not yeah, yet. so it's uh, the they're in a tricky situation we can here. Inform them in secret. All of this collusion is dangerous. The council is fracturing. We can't forget who the real enemy is. And Degru may not know who the real enemy is. Degru, being a scientist, being intelligent, he, what happens he if is you fail? realizing things may not be no what they left? appear to be. That's hardly a viable option. We only have one more shuttle pod. You're missing my point. I don't think you're doing this to make peace. I think you want to try and save the captain. You're wrong. Why do I get the feeling you haven't thought this through? You have made your objections clear. Now return to the bridge. I'm not just going to sit still and Some watch interesting you direction here in, in this episode. Let go of me. I won't let you do this. I said let go. What the hell's wrong with you? Bridge to Paul. Go ahead. There's no need to go to the Zindi. It appears they're coming to us. Yeah, they're coming to Enterprise, but they're not there to talk. Four Zindi vessels closing fast. Hail them. No response. They're charging weapons. Get out of there. What exactly are you proposing? Archer's now out of his shackles here and talking to the Zindi. You were captured uh, behind the controls of a ship armed with explosives. You're asking for our trust. You're building a weapon that could destroy my world. I had to try and stop you. And now that your missions failed, you want to negotiate. Just consider what I said. You maintain that by destroying your world, we'll be ensuring our own annihilation. That's right. Because it's humankind that ultimately saves the Zindi from these sphere builders. We're both fighting the wrong enemy. I'm afraid it'll take more than this antique to convince us. Contemplating has produced inaccurate results before. Do you believe these results are inaccurate? Let me speak to this council of yours. Present my case. Some members of the council would sooner execute you than listen. Then help me change their minds. You haven't changed ours. I made an impression. You wouldn't still be here. The Enterprise is taking, uh... Takes quite a pounding here. We lost all plating. I still don't have helm control. To fault engineering. Yeah, they're they're getting pounded bad. Obviously. Travis just got, or not Travis, sorry, a couple of engineers just got blasted down. Bridge! Bridge! 
overhead council just dropped Uncle Stan Travis. Him. He dodged out of the way at We're the last finished. minute. They're just getting You've beat bad. Now he the, uh, the location of his forces? We've been discussing other matters. There are no other matters. The reptilians busted Take in on this little council. We're not going anywhere. You can't threaten us. Return to your ship. What about him? He's going to a detention center for more questioning. If there are any survivors from his ship, they'll join him. Survivors? Your ship's under attack. You agreed to hold off. We grew tired of waiting. Call off your vessels. I don't answer to you. I'll assemble the council. By the time you do, the Earth ship will be dust. That's it. That's the episode. Azati Prime. We didn't uh, get everything solved. And that's kind of... Uh, let me dial this music back a little. That's kind of the way Season 3 went for Enterprise in a lot of cases. There have been some standalone type episodes, but this one leaves you in a, a pretty big cliffhanger, of course. The next episode uh, was the following week anyway, so it's not. Uh, it wasn't a huge, huge wait. But uh, but anyway, I, I just thought it would be fun to cover this one because there's a lot going on in it. A lot of things uh, related to the Zindi and the weapon and Archer and, and, and to Paul's emotions coming out. I just I think they did a great job in Season 3 and Season 4 as well for Enterprise. Also, uh, I may in the, in the next couple of months try to do the follow-up episode to this, cover that on the, the podcast. But I, I think, you know, if you want to, they're going to be, uh, I think, just next month, which is only a week or so away. For those that can get Netflix, 
all all Star Trek episodes from all uh, shows, all seasons, as far as everything I, I know, is going to be available for Netflix streaming, so you can watch it at your uh, leisure. I'm going to take a very uh, short break, and I'll come back and wrap up today's podcast. This is Vartok again with the answer to the question posed earlier to what was controversial about the movie The Fourth Kind when it was released in 2009. Well, one answer of several is that the company created its own official website to create false credentials and publications for Dr. Abigail Tyler. You can even find a biography for her and an Alaska psychiatry journal online. However, neither exist. A little bit of Hollywoodism? It would seem so. The movie intends to be serious, and you are asked to believe that it is based on real events. So is this movie for real, or is it a mockumentary? You'll have to watch and decide for yourself. I give this movie a 6.5 out of 10 on the Vartokometer. IMDB gives it a 5.9 out of 10. If only Fox Mulder had been invited to do a cameo visit. Well, that's it for this Trek and Sci-Fi movie review. And now back to you, Rico. Oh, and I will end this review with the music from the credits. And maybe Fox Mulder has been to Gnome. After all, there's no place like Gnome. Someone else is interested in Gnome as well. Since the 1960s, there have been over 2,000 visits to Gnome by the FBI, the highest in Alaska. Second is Anchorage, with a population 76 times larger than Gnome. The FBI have paid them 353 visits. In the end, what you believe is yours to decide. In the end, what you believe is yours to decide. All right, I hope you enjoyed that that look at uh, the episode of Zadi Prime. Uh, if you're interested, the next episode that follows that one up in Enterprise's uh, run in Season 3 is called Damage, uh, and that's a cool one, too, as well. Lots of things happening, and it's just a direct follow-up to that episode. And a lot of, uh, like, again, like I said, a lot of the Season 3 episodes were like that. So um, didn't mean to leave you, especially in a cliffhanger, but... Uh, Hey, you know it all works out in the end. I wanted to just say uh, the um, upcoming on uh, the show, I want to give you the upcoming uh, podcast for Treks and Sci-Fi, tell you what's coming up. And please send in your uh, comments about these things. And then right after I get done here, 
uh, we'll just uh, probably finish off today's podcast. Anyway, today uh, was Azadi Prime Enterprise episode. Next weekend for the 4th of July weekend for those of us here in the States, I'm going to cover uh, a cool TV series, one I've been wanting to cover for a while, Sliders. I'm going to cover that next week on July 3rd. The week after, July 10th, will be the Voyager episode, The Disease. Then on the 17th of July, I'm going to do a Skype chat, uh, talk about some of uh, the summer movies we've been seeing and enjoying. I am probably going to do that Skype chat and record it on Sunday, the 17th. Uh, so I'm hoping that we can talk about the Harry Potter film, the last uh, second part of uh, the Deadly Hollow, Deathly Hollows. Did I say Deadly Hall- uh, Hollows? <laughs> it's Deathly Hollows, right? Anyway, uh, but I'm, I'm going to set a time, I think, on Sunday afternoon to do that recording of that Skype chat for the 17th podcast. On the 24th of July, uh, I'm going to do a Deep Space Nine episode called If Wishes Were Horses. Kind of a fun little episode uh, from the first season of Deep Space Nine. And then the last uh, weekend of July, the 31st, will be a guest spot to be determined by uh, uh, sometime in the future. I've got a couple of possibilities of somebody guest hosting uh, on that weekend, and uh, hopefully we'll get that nailed down here soon. So, as always, thanks for listening to the podcast. Donations can be uh, sent via PayPal over at treksinsci-fi.com. There's donation links, iTunes reviews. Put those up when you can. And send in, again, your audio comments about anything that you'd like, uh, whatever topic I'm covering for the week, movies, television, books, you know, whatever, whatever you'd like, uh, just uh, send it on into the show. Not going to do any kind of prop or replica review this week, but I am uh, told that Brian just got a new item and that he's going to send a new review soon about that. So look forward to seeing or hearing what he has to say uh, about his new uh, new prop. So <laughs> anyway, I'm out of here. Uh, get a few things going and, and finished up uh, before I head out to see uh, Cars 2 uh this afternoon. So everyone have a great week. I will talk to you again next weekend for the fourth and uh, the sliders podcast. So take care, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to For more information, visit TreksInSciFi.com Write to Rico today at TrekSF at gmail.com That's TrekSF at gmail.com Set a course for Earth. Maximum wall. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I'm Captain Kirk. Tricks in sci-fi. At ease before you sprain something. Your weekly dose of geeky goodness. And entertainment news. This mission would have failed without your help. I won't be speaking. To the podcast where no one has podcasted before. Captain Adassians yet. Not with, we're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that world. Thanks for joining us for Treks in Sci-Fi. Treks in Sci-Fi.